the thrilling conclusion of Profiles Encouraging Cowardice, an in-depth INS report on the president and all the shit they've been up to, part two. Welcome to INS, the International News Service, your source for the most important weird news from across the globe, with news analyst Kevin Harrison, actor, comedian, and musician Mike Wiebe, and professional commentator Brian Camp. INS, the news you need. So, Mike, I believe you have a story for us. This isn't presidential, but it is important. So, as we know, we are at the beginning of the Belisario Sants. <laughs> We're covering the the works of Donald P. Belisario, creator of such shows as Airwolf, Magnum P.I., and many others. But you might say he was the president of TV in the 80s. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he ruled with a strong hand and took many mistress lovers and some misters. So I actually, when I started like looking uh, at stuff for this, I wanted to just cover Jan Michael Vincent's right. career. And I got into that, but I, I found something much more fascinating that I kind of want to get into. Um, I'm going to have to share some uh, video and audio with y'all. Do you know who Jan Michael Vincent is, Eric? Uh, yes, yes. And there was like an 80s act. Yeah, he, uh, he like he was just a surfer, handsome surfer dude from yeah. a family full of bank robbers. He was like the first person in his family or the first like generation in his family not to be career criminals, <laughs> and, which is pretty cool. His grandfather was a bank robber and counterfeiter. And uh, his, his uncle was shot to death by a sheriff for a robbery in Oregon. And uh, two of his other uncles were convicted of bank robbery in California and another family member was arrested in Hanford for, for bank robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. You know, he was this handsome surfer dude, moved out to California, surfing around one of those classic stories of he was just walking down the beach with his shirt off and some guy goes, Hey man, you're hot. You want to be in the movies? Because that kind of thing can happen in California. So <laughs> He started doing a bunch of TV and stuff like that. Um, getting acting. Is this going to be about Danger first... Island? Can I do my fucking story? <laughs> Go ahead, please. God skip to, skip to the part where the producer put his fingers inside him. Oh you know, yeah, that's the part. I, that's the part I want. That's the part I want. Well, he was on this great show called Danger <laughs> Island, which was a serialized, a serialized tale about um, sort of. An older version of Johnny Quest. It was a, a captain and a Jan Michael Vincent and a girl who was always in trouble and a, a fairly racist portrayal of a native named Chongo, who now we're talking was more a bit more monkey than man and <laughs> Whoa, would occasionally my. jump around and people he didn't people write would it. shout uh oh Chongo was, <laughs> yeah. was his, his catchphrase. And there was lots of headhunting natives, but it was a it was a serialized uh, live action thing that took place uh, when some these 
his little crew gets crashed, shipwrecked on this island. They're fighting pirates and natives and snakes and and tigers and uh-huh. chongo and and everything else. And it was it was on this show called Banana Splits, which was five lovable. I don't know, Disney-esque mascots that would bump into each other and and fall about. Uh, and it was just a series of cartoons. So he, did, he does wait, that. Wait, hold on. He's I got in... to interrupt for one second. So that uh, when in the, in the intro to the banana splits, when they show all of... They're in the, the amusement park. That amusement park yeah. is Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Why did they shoot that? No, and you just la- you just laughed like Flegel, which is really <laughs> weird. They, um, so then he gets he's in John Milius's. Uh, it, it's this movie is so fucking good. I can't recommend it. It's called Big Wednesday, uh-huh. and it's kind of like a sad, meaner version of American Graffiti. Okay, it's uh, it's Jan Michael Vincent and William Cat, who would later go on to be oh, the greatest American hero, yeah. and Gary Busey. And they're all buddies who are surfers. And then it just kind of follows them over the years. It kind of takes these like, you know, two to like five year breaks of them going to Vietnam and coming back. And they start off as young friends and they change over time. And then later he starts getting a more movie work. And he's in a movie called The Mechanic with Charles Bronson. Charlie Bronson. That is the most insanely, apparently... Jen Michael Vincent didn't recognize it, and Charlie Bronson didn't recognize it, but it uh-huh. is an overt statement about homosexuality, <laughs> and it's about the <laughs> two of them. What the movie's about now is interested. Char- Charles Bronson's a hitman, and he takes on Jen Michael Vincent as his like young ward, and they they have this very strong bond, and then ultimately are trying to kill each other. And and the script was originally written as they were like very out homosexuals but then they just somebody was like hey we'll make it just take out that that they're, that they're gay but and, they left in all the stuff <laughs> yeah they left in all the stuff they've been doing they well they filmed the whole movie and people were like hey what uh this movie's about them being gay and bronson <laughs> and jen michael vincent were just blo- they never like <laughs> they just, they, and there are so many scenes that, that like so- the dialogue is so clear where they're just like yeah, it's tough to be inside your, you know, inside your mind. Yeah, now I'm inside yours. Now we're inside each other. Um, they, they didn't understand for the making out scene. And they they don't do that, Kevin. <laughs> Charles Bronson. He's never kissed a man. He doesn't even. Charles Charles Bronson is so masculine. He doesn't even kiss women. <laughs> so, but Jan Michael Vincent starts to kind of fall on some hard times the success with the success there's a dark side Ooh. oh and i also have to mention there's a movie i watched a million times as a kid a disney movie called the world's greatest athlete where oh, he's yeah. like a tarzan and and uh, oh, yeah. tim conway finds him out in the in the jungle and then brings him to yeah. the states and he's just the the yeah. world's greatest asset was that jan, jan uh, michael vincent yeah okay. that's why i brought it up okay <laughs> um hey Mike, I have a question. Yes. Um, if I don't want to preempt the story, but this is, I realize we live in an age now where the small screen and the silver screen might be switching roles and precedence in American That's viewership. True. But this seems to be a time when once you were on, on the big screen, you were a film actor and you didn't do TV. 
And we know from last week that Jan eventually makes his way to Airwolf. What's going on? What led to? Because I mean, Charles Bronson's a well, star, I'll tell right? You. I'll tell you, Brian. Okay. Charles Bronson is a big. Was the star, and 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 Jan Michael didn't have a ton of leading man movies, mm-hmm. but that seemingly backtrack of a move wasn't quite a backtrack because when he got to be on Airwolf, he was the highest paid television actor in the entire oh, in, wow. the, in the world at that Holy time. Shit. He was getting $200,000 really? an episode. So it's 20, and what, like 22 at, episodes a year. Uh, I don't know how many episodes a year. Okay. I would guess that they definitely okay. were doing those large numbers. You know, he, he's, he, but his personal life was very torn up. he, he got married uh, in 68 and had a daughter, but then, then they got divorced. Then his second wife, Joanne Robinson, left him and entered a restraining order against him in 1998, alleging that he had abused her during their marriage. They actually, uh, that doesn't mention it here, but he uh, slapped her around mm. when she was pregnant, causing mm. her to have a miscarriage. That's what she says. He battled uh, alcoholism and intravenous drug use for most of his life. Lots of cocaine. Tons of cocaine. He was arrested for cocaine in 1977, 1978, and 1979. Uh, he got arrested one time for having, for having six pounds of marijuana in his car. And you'll hear a little bit more about that uh, later. Okay. Um, he's in felony stuff all the time. He keeps getting in car wrecks. And motorcycle wrecks because he's just constantly drunk driving. And in '97, he gets in a in a car wreck and it fuses. And he, they have to fuse his uh, his back, his vertebrae together. And during the medical procedure, they had to oh they had to trach him because he was like dying. So they had to do like the on oh, the wow. scene kind of trach. And he suffered he suffered permanent injury to his vocal cords. So like when you see him in Buffalo 66, he's kind of talking like this, but just really drinking and fucking up his career. Because like the last season of Airwolf, like one of the reasons like he didn't come back was because, because he's still a star, but like he was impossible to work with. Like he just couldn't, get through a scene. He was just wasted all the time. So in doing research, for, I was just going to keep going about Jan Michael Vincent, and I did, but now I've found a new favorite thing that I want to examine more and more, and that's how fucked up daytime talk shows treated people <laughs> back then. Because I have queued up this episode of Geraldo, and some of the back and forth that they talked to, a very clearly fucked up Jan Michael Vincent. So I'll set up the scene for this Geraldo. It's uh, it's just the Hollywood gossip uh, episode of Geraldo. So they've got uh, a girl who used to date Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Okay. They've got Jan Michael Vincent. And then they just have like three gossip hounds. Uh-huh. And there's several portions of the thing where they're just talking about, oh, Tom Cruise was seen here with this person. And oh, this person's having marital troubles, we hear. And it's just, it's... I thought that TMZ was the trashiest, but this is uh-huh. clearly worse. But they've got they've got poor Jan Michael Vincent there at the end, and some of the questions he gets asked are exquisite. So I would <laughs> like to share for you guys okay. now. Yeah, sunglasses on the He's whole time. Been in the spotlight, he knows how that works. On the other hand, I think he would admit that over the years he's had a lot of very tremendous press too. 
And I think what he just said to us is that he's an addictive personality. This man's suffering from a disease. I mean, it's not something he did because he's a star or because he's... We spoke to Lisa, who you claim now not to really be in love with. Lisa told us that she's afraid that you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, not intentionally, just by... No, I think Lisa's a little sketchy. Are you a therapist? Are you, are you, are you seeing anybody? I, I've been in therapy. I mean, are you currently in therapy? Why, I mean, would, I, why would I be in therapy? I'm not doing anything. <laughs> are you drinking? I mean, are you clean right now? Yeah. 100% sober? 100%. If you could say to your wife, hey, win her back, is there anything you could say to our national television to win her back? I'd die to have her back. You want to make a plea to her right here? Joanne? <laughs> nah. I'm, I'm doing 17 years. I, I know I've done wrong things, and um, I'd lay down anything <laughs> to have you back. God. Anything. Wow. Amber, now, watch when we come back here, okay. what's going on. Okay. After that statement. Hey, Dan Michael Vincent, Kansas Star, Kansas Tommy Lee's first wife. Oh, Jan is putting the move on, the on Candace there. Uh, I think basically it is. She didn't lie about anything. You got to get the question. Jeez. Okay. Here we Deal go. And stuff. You can be yourself with him. Um, he's a great about lover. Tommy Lee. <laughs> he must be. He's got to be. He's still have an affair with him today, even though he's married to Pamela Anderson. Um, I think I'm pretty yeah. much over it after the last one. Your question? Oh, no. Right, yes. Um, this is for Jan. If you, Jan, if you didn't beat your wife, um, why would she come out and say that she did? Why would she lie about something like that? Uh, you, you know what? I think basically it is. She didn't lie about anything. I didn't beat her, not physically, because if I if, if I hit a woman, basically, probably finish. <laughs> <laughs> But but I have a filthy mouth, and I cuss, and and I, I you know I don't know why I used to be really shy, and I come back and I swear and I cuss and I'm I'm verbally abusive, and that's the truth about that matter. You know, Jan, we have better, this is something we've never done before. We have an aftercare program. We do a lot of programs I like that uh, about if people my who wife, have some kind of it. thing wrong in their life, and we offer them free of any charge to them access to some of the best facilities in the whole country. We would be honored if you'd let us sponsor you someplace. Sponsor me where? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you you know why he was on the show? Do you want to go to? Like a Betty Ford or a Meadows or a Fair Oaks? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't need to. Oh, I love him. You, uh, I love you him. promise? <laughs> Peraldi, what, what I'm going to do is go sailing and see out at Yellow Banks. Okay, buddy. Okay. That's our old days in, uh, in Malibu, California, USA. We'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just really love. I loved seeing just the <laughs> just strangers asking questions about being his wife, and him, and that that's my favorite response. If I were to hit a woman, I would finish her. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately needed an attorney to 
put a hand on his shoulder and say, no, not answering that one, buddy. Yes. I, I don't. And it's it's weird. Like, and I, you know, they're not quite as uh, insane, but some of the other people that they're talking to there and I started to go down a Geraldo hole uh-huh. and Jesus Christ, that Geraldo show hole. was so fucking trashy. Yeah, yeah, all it's, it is crazy. So yeah. I, I definitely uh, will be hearing more from Geraldo in the in our newfound Belisario Sans. Is that Kevin. the era of Ooh. <laughs> Mike? I have to ask you a question now. Is that is that the era of Geraldo that mm. saw him get beat up by a, a Nazi, like a skinhead? Didn't he have like skinhead on skinheads on his I'm show? I don't remember time? what year that is. That We're going to find out a lot more about. I'm looking forward to Juan it. Julio yeah. Geraldo. What was the name of that one dude? Martin was his name Martin Downey or something like that. Morton Downey. Morton Downey, Morton Downey. with the big mouth Downey logo Jr. on the podiums. Yeah. <laughs> was he 80s? Yeah. He was more 80s, right? Yeah, he was more 80s. Um, UHF channel, right? Him and then Donahue, and then all the other people came in like after them, right? Well, no. So we were talking about this right before we recorded. Joe Pine, P Y N E was really the first guy to just I want every interaction on my show to be confrontational and uh he would throw desks and tables and shit and that started in the 60s. Hmm. Oh, man, he was I'm still going to... like I remember him getting picked up when I lived in Columbus in like the mid 80s and they were advertising him on TV. What would you say was the pinnacle of Jan Michael Vincent's career then? It seems like there must have been a peak. Like the peak must have been. Was it Airwolf? Like the first season? Airwolf. Yeah, that's where he okay. had like all the Even money. Ernest Borgnine, a blowjob. Yeah, and I think the peak was when his pinnacle was when he hit his wife. Oh, <laughs> now he he didn't do that, Mike. Yeah, he, he, he would have finished her. Yeah, if he would have finished a woman. That's right. <laughs> that that would be a good moment for his wife to be like, "He never finished me either." You know, that would have been a good. <laughs> <laughs> This was clearly the first moment, uh, the first case of cancel culture ever. I don't think he got canceled so much as he just didn't have a career anymore. Like before that, like before Um, 1995. No, it's because people started spreading rumors about him doing cocaine. Well, I mean, he did get arrested three years in a row for cocaine possession. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Uh, I forgot that after the uh, trach uh, accident, he got to another Uh accident and he got his leg amputated. So oh, the I last remember that. several years of his life, he yeah. was wow. amputated. That wasn't done because of alcoholism. No, no, it was, a, it was an accident. You still fly a helicopter with just one leg? Well, Airwolf is um, it's what we basically call a smart vehicle. Ooh. So there's, a, there's an AI, which stands for artificial intelligence, that's inside Airwolf mm. that's kind of right. running it and keeping it all together. And what happens is it links with Stringfellow Hawk's mind. <laughs> And mm-hmm. he's able to, he's able, he's really able to fly it. You don't, you don't really use a lot of uh, feet pedals in, in helicopters. Mm-hmm. So it, if it was, had an, in quote, AI, as you say, it was like Kit uh-huh. on Knight Rider. Not familiar. Not familiar. <laughs> Do you use the show you've covered in the past? <laughs> Do you think that Jan mm-hmm. Michael's issues with drug abuse and eventual spousal abuse allegedly and getting a leg amputated. Do you think that was related to his difficulty in confronting the fact that his brother was missing in action in Vietnam? I think, you know, I do know that Jan Michael went so deep into character that Stringfellow Hawk's MIA brother yeah. profoundly yeah. affected him. 
And then on the show, you know, because he's so method, when his, when they found his brother and started working together, that really fucked him up. That really, like, you know, twisted him all around. And he, he you know. I forgot they found his brother. Yeah. That's cool. And that's when he started doing oh. cocaine and driving too fast, you know. You think Ernest Borgnine uh, did a lot of coke? I think yeah. Ernest Borgnine was more of a Vicodin guy. Ooh. Just snorting and chewing up Vicodin. Which would explain some of the excess weight because you become very constipated on Vicodin. Oh, so he is mostly poop? <laughs> uh, a, a large percentage, a large percentage of impacted feek matter. Wow. What John percentage Wayne? of his body was made of feces? I'm going to say about 64%. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. He overcame that and won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I, I have a president question. So <laughs> we've, we were talking a little bit about rampant drug, drug use mm-hmm. and... We talked before about FDR being compared to Hitler, and we know from some of Mike's research before that Hitler had a had a fondness for meth, I think it was, and a lot, a whole lot of it. Are there like I'm I not like in modern, not just drugs for pleasure era, mm-hmm. but in the era of there's this new miracle thing called meth. This new miracle thing, like just if you don't feel good, take some laudanum. Mm, is there a true. particular president yeah. who that it's at least theorized had a very, very strong fondness for? Yeah, I'm trying to go through in my head, and I I, I feel like I would have definitely. Remembered. I feel like that would be Kennedy, wouldn't it? I thought Kennedy did a lot of speed. Well, I mean Kennedy. Um, well, no, the thing was, is Kennedy, and I don't know the names of the drug, but for his Addison's disease, he got injections like directly into his spine sometimes because like it could get really bad. So he did. I mean, actually, that's the reason he looks so tanned is because his medicine gave him like a yellowish, like the kind of hepatitis skin. And so he got tanned to cover that up so he oh, wouldn't wow. look sickly. Wow. Was he so mm. he was was he pretty frail? Was he? Weak? Yeah, I mean, his condition was pretty bad. Like, and it could get there could be times when he was like, you know, laid out. Was that from his service or was that something that's, else? I was trying to remember how he initially got it. I think he got it. Cause like when he was in, in the war, like his PT boat got shut up and he had to like one of the, one of the, they had to like swim out to an Island. One of the dudes, he like actually took his like life vest and put it in his teeth and swam all the way out there. Like, I mean, it was a, like, so, I mean, he had some like legit like hero credentials because of that. But like, yeah, I, I mean, I think they got kind of messed up over there, but I don't, I don't want to say for sure that I know that's where he got the Addison's disease from, but. I think why, why do you think it was that Kennedy's father's connection to bootlegging didn't when I was in, in public school, they always talked about Kennedy and the fact that he was young and that he fact that he was Catholic, like were the things that he had to overcome to win the presidency. Mm-hmm. But why wasn't it the fact that he was the son of a notorious prohibition era bootlegger or did people just not I mean, know that was it not widely known or. That's a good question. Like how widely, I mean, I feel like it probably might've been, I mean, but his dad was also like, I mean, he was FDR's uh, ambassador to London. Really? So it's like, by the, by the, yeah. So by the time that you get to like the thirties, he's legit. Like he's like yeah. the Michael Corleone that's going legit. So that stuff is kind of forgotten by then. And the Kennedys are just like a, a dynasty. I feel like when we were growing up, like Kennedy was on such a pedestal that you just wouldn't say something like that. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too, like, even with his affairs, that was an era where reporters kind of understood to keep that stuff under wraps, like they kept his Edison's disease under wrap or well, that was like, I guess that was like maybe the first time some people were talking about it, but like his affairs were kept under wraps. So I feel like all that stuff about Joseph Kennedy being a bootlegger is like later when like in the 80s and 90s, when it's like fun to talk about scandals, 
that's when you start seeing all these dots. Because there's like, I feel like most of the Kennedy stuff is that 90s, like when Oliver Stone's movie comes out, like you start seeing like tons of like JFK expose documentaries on TV. Yeah, that's true. Like a lot of the dudes that like are the characters in the Irishman, like were selling books, like not just Frank Sheeran, but like the Frank Regano, the guy that uh, that uh, Ray Romano played in the movie. He had like a like a like a episode on Frontline where he's like, and it's all BS too, but they're just talking about like, yeah, I know what happened. So I have I got two questions for you, uh, Eric. You you bring up a, a good point. Who really killed JFK, and who? really killed lincoln <laughs> wait am i supposed to answer this legitimately <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah like you know i got like super into the kennedy assassination because like i'm a very anti-conspiracy guy and it was the first conspiracy that i actually felt like might have had some legs so i took like just such a deep dive when the 50th anniversary like me and a buddy were like let's solve it let's fucking solve it and we get as more we got into it more like it's obviously Lee oswald did it like Is very it, obviously were you, were you <laughs> walking were you walking through dealey plaza right drawing x's where the bullets were found and like i was even like the, in the so there were two committees there was the warren commission which actually uh -huh. did a very good job and then there's the house the house committee on assassinations which funny enough they were able to find no evidence of a conspiracy but their conclusion was still we think there was probably a conspiracy but we couldn't find any evidence of it. It's like, you can't just do that. <laughs> they <laughs> do shit so, like that. All They still do shit like that. But one of the things they used My was... My mom like, does stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now all it sounds time. quaint for me to say something like that in yeah. this environment. But they had like a hot mic on one of the cops who was on the motorcycle and supposedly it picked up the second shot from like the grassy knoll. And so I actually found, because like this is the magic of the internet, all that stuff is like out there. Somebody's like collecting it. And so like yeah, I could I could listen to the audio that they used. And it was like so funny because I listened to it and I listened through like four minutes of this clip. And it's there's nothing like nothing there. Like it's yeah. just static and it's like and then you listen look in the comments and everybody's like, Yep, right there it is, right there at 108. And then the next one's like, Yep, right there at 217. I heard it. <laughs> the next one's like, Yep, 338. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, Okay, this is this is bullshit. Now, have you ever heard this is related to that, which is, have you ever heard the recordings of LBJ, the president after the, JFK, the phone calls? Yeah, the phone calls of him to his tailor where he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. talking about how he his pants are too high and they cut yeah, into his balls and where in his bunghole. Yeah, because he has a, he has a giant dick. Uh, which he yeah. nicknamed Jumbo, and the, me and Mike, me and Mike have talked about. It. He would like whip it out at uh, at functions, right? Yeah. Right. Just for I mean, kicks. Another thing he would definitely get. Is that why Mike for. started doing that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, he was inspired. He was inspired was by. He, well, yeah, it was an homage. It's an homage. It's not <laughs> yeah. it off. It's an homage. Yeah, that's what you. And it never gets quite that reaction. <laughs> well, the JFK thing. Um, I was pretty interested in it for a while too. And I've taken the tour and all that. And, and there, there's not a lot up there. Definitely like standing up there and thinking about a topless car going fairly slow. It seems yeah. like a, a sharpshooter could, could hit that. Yeah. And going through there, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot except for there was one plaque. And I don't know all these people's age, but do you know, do you remember that? Because you've, you've walked the DV plot. You've watched mm -hmm. the book's suppository, right? Yes, depository. Um, there's the like one. It is a depository. No, 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 no. You don't leave the books. You put them up in there. You put the, they put, they put the <laughs> yeah. books up, up in there. <laughs> but there's this plaque, and it lists. I'm not. I don't remember the exact number, but it's uh -huh. got to be like 25 to 30 people 
that all died that were like kind of directly related to stuff and that they all died within like a year of this. And there's just tons of people. And I don't know, it doesn't list their ages when they die. I, do you know what I'm talking about at all? I didn't see that. Like, is, I mean, is that one but set up by the fans that are hanging yeah, out there? No, it's set up. It's just a thing in like when you get to a turn a corner where it's like, this is what happened. And there's a little area that's like the conspiracy area where that it acknowledges like, hey, there's a lot of people that yeah, have yeah, conspiracies. No, we don't that. really but think it's real. But here's some, here's some stuff that people say. And that's like one thing that, was, that is strikes me as like incredible incredibly yeah if it's true that's the problem is what i've realized when i talk to conspiracy people is they'll tell me something like okay well that is that is striking and then what i do is i'll then go look at it myself and i'll be like wait that's that everything you told me is not true and so like that's the problem is you got to find out if they are just living off of conspiracy information rather than real information right because like i would notice that like you know that I know a ton of stuff about 9-11. So if I'm talking about the 9-11, like I don't, I don't like just shit on them. I'll like actually have the conversation with them, but they'll ask mm-hmm. me stuff like, then they'll be like, but what about the thermite? How do you feel about the thermite that was planted? And I was like, I've never heard that, which leads me to believe it's not true because you're getting your information from this place over here that says thermite was definitely planted. <laughs> I'm getting my information from the people that like investigated and seen and never found any kind of thermite. Right. It's like I we can't really like like it almost gets to a point where it's like, oh, we're not going to be able to have the conversation because you're operating off an information base that comes from a world I don't even live in. Right. Yeah. And that's intentional. I mean, it really is. Well, and it's this guy, Jim Mars, wrote a book called Crossfire, and it's people who have deaths, deaths of witnesses connected to the assassination of JFK. And I probably Uh, because there was like I mean, there were so many different theories. I went with the ones that were like the more intriguing ones like, I mean, you know, the magic bullet theory and stuff. And of course, they didn't have the positions of the people. Right. And and also just like I was more interested in the stuff that to me sounded like legitimate kind of criticism. Some of the conspiracies get wild, like the whole thing about like Oswald. Well, you would have had to get shots off in five seconds. And it's not. It's five seconds between shots it was 11 seconds and so it's like and that's a lot of time especially in that moment once you shoot that first shot like five seconds is an eternity yeah yeah and like in the uh in the in the thing with the grassy knolls it's true there were some witnesses that felt they heard a shot from the grassy knoll yeah but it's like that could also be echo and it's like when there's a situation where you have like hundreds of witnesses and like 85 percent of them say they heard three shots from the book depository you know, 10% of them say they might have heard a second shot from the grassy knoll and 5% of them say they heard any from where from like one to 14 shots from 14 different yeah. directions. You go with the 85%. Yeah. Well, I, I would want to collect all this, but just going through this, there's definitely some weird things. This guy that this guy that knew Jack Ruby and visited him in jail. And then a couple days, or a couple like at the next year in 64, somebody breaks into his house and kills him by a karate chop to the throat <laughs> See, already i'm suspicious when it's like a karate chop to the throat like that's <laughs> i mean there's a bunch of like like you like, wouldn't be suspicious if it happened to you and i know that jack ruby like kept complaining because he thought he was going to get heralded as a hero for being the guy right. who shot the son of a bitch that shot kennedy right. and then he's like god damn it everybody thinks i'm in on it now yeah yeah that's such like a texas thing too like of like I'm going to take this into my own hands and everybody will thank me. And also that's like, and speaking of going through past assassinations, that's all very common. Like um, when they got John Wilkes Booth, Boston Corbett, I think his name was just like randomly pulled out his gun and shot him against orders. And like when the, uh, the assassins for McKinley and Garfield, there were several moments where people like were caught, you know, with guns trying to take a shot at them. Or I think one time they took a shot at Leon Colgish while he's in prison. So it's like this idea of assassinating the assassin is very common. 
The, the one I like is the guy who tried to assassinate Teddy Roosevelt. So he beat the shit out of the guy. Oh, yeah. He got shot, yeah. beat the shit out of a guy, the guy, and then gave like a two hour oh, speech. Right. I think, I think actually you're meshing with the Andrew Jackson too. Jackson had a guy pull a gun on him and it misfired. And then he beat the shit out of the guy. And then Teddy Roosevelt, I don't think he beat the shit out of him, but he did get shot and then gave an hour speech. <laughs> and then like at the end of the speech was like, all right, I got to go to the hospital now. Cause I've got a <laughs> bullet over here. And everyone's like, wait, is he, is he serious? <laughs> Yeah, the way I mean, and you know, I probably this is probably from internet lore, but I I read that he had to be pulled off the guy so he could go give a speech. But I well, you know, that might I wouldn't doubt that. I feel like I know I know that Jackson beat up a guy that tried to like because Jackson was also a badass, right? But I could see I could see Teddy Roosevelt doing it too. Teddy was so like he's just so crazy, like he's crazy in such a fun way. Yeah, the stories of him going to Deadwood, like he knew he was friends with Seth Bullock, the character from Deadwood. Uh, the real life character. Right. And like when he went West, he was just like a rich kid from Oyster Bay. And he just like, he, he had like an old, an, uh, Western outfit that he made himself that looked like silly. And so like everybody, he showed up and he just looked like a dandy rich guy and everybody was making fun of him. But like the more he was out there, the more people started to realize like, this guy's actually a badass. Like he's <laughs> tough. <laughs> and he just like, he just would do crazy shit like that and somehow make it work. Now it's squeaky Frome's attempt. Yeah. She was, uh, the and one she who tried shot to kill. Ford. Ford, right? Right, Ford. Because he got, got shot real at close two. too, right? Yeah, he got yeah. shot at like twice in really quick succession too. Like I, I think hers, her gun jammed. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because, like I said, there were two at the same time, and she was one of hey, them. Mike, remind us, remind us what squeaky from means. Squeaky from uh, is a term for when you are you have completely cleaned your butthole, and then your <laughs> asshole is. <laughs> Your from huh. is squeaky clean. <laughs> your from. So it's like it's a it's right. it's a it's an asshole that you could literally eat off of. Shout out to Philip Pampers <laughs> for uh, illustrating that for us. The great yeah. Philip Pampers. And you know, I will ask this: uh, in the assassination of Garfield, was Odie ever? Norma <laughs> 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 was devastated. I think. Norma. Well, I do know that one Garfield. Uh, James Actually, Garfield. tell me about God. those because I those yeah. the other two, uh, Lincoln yeah. and Kennedy, I'm very aware of, but I would like yeah. to know about the other well, two assassinations. Well, I know when Garfield was shot, like while he was laying on the ground, he said, "Ugh, Mondays." <laughs> <laughs> Started vomiting lasagna. <laughs> he was he was well regarded though, right? Is a yeah, I mean, he was cool. I mean, he was like just at the start of, but he was like a genius, like a literal genius. Like he invented a a theorem, like a what they called a proof for the Pythagorean theorem, like on his own, he could like, he was like ambidextrous. He could like write in Greek and Latin or something like at the same time with two hands. Yeah. He was like, well, I mean, like a lot of those guys, he was a general in the civil war for the union, uh, but he was like really, you know, he was a really smart guy. And I, I kind of wish I could have seen like what else he would have, would have done, but yeah, he got shot. How did he, how did he get clipped and why he got clipped in a, I believe it was in a train station guy shot him in the back i think he got shot like kind of like at the bottom base of his back and he was a disgruntled guy this was like okay one of the big issues of the air i'll try not to get too boring but it was civil service jobs where like patronage was the big thing back then where like hey i get elected i take care of my friends you know you can help me i'll get you guys a job here and i'll get you a cousin a job over here and so there was this big push to for civil service reform so that people would have to like get tested and it would be merit-based. And so this yeah. guy was, I mean, really, he was just a loon, but because yeah. he had been turned down for civil service jobs, that was like his stated grievance. 
And so the funny thing is, after he did that, it became this event that people used to push for civil service reform, even though this guy was not like a qualified guy who had been kicked out of a job. He was just a lunatic who was mad that he wasn't yeah, given a job. Right. That was the guy who, who lived with like a hippie love cult and, and yet couldn't get laid, right? <laughs> I don't know that much about him. I don't remember. I mean, is that I, Charles he's all, Gateau, he's, is that right? Yes, that's his name. I was going to say he's the one I always forget. Leon Colgish is the one who shot McKinley. He lived with a hippie love cult for a while and he couldn't get laid and they called him Charles Get Out. <laughs> the first incel. And that actually sounds right from what I remember reading about him. He sounds more like a kind of like incel guy who like feigned that this was all about civil service reform. But like Garfield, Garfield, like he, he he died like a really slow, painful death because they just didn't know what they were doing with him. Like I said, they were like digging in his wound with their bare fingers. And uh, my favorite was when they used like, I think this was like the first draft of a metal detector. Right. And they couldn't find the bullet. And so they were going to use that on him. But they had forgotten that he was laying on like a wired mesh mattress. So they just, oh, so like the whole time they were just like, yeah, it's not working. And they were like digging in him every time they got a buzz. And just like putting him through all this pain, and they're just like, "Yeah, this fucking thing's broken." <laughs> but if they had like thought about it, they could have. They might have been able to get the. Would a metal detector even pick up lead? I don't know. I don't I know. Thought it was I, like, mean, I thought it reacted to it being magnetic. Uh, that's a good question. So maybe it still wouldn't have worked. But I yeah. do know that that's like why they were getting so many readings and why they kept just digging in his hole <laughs> while he screamed right. in pain. But and actually, that was the time. Like I said, I, I think what's his name, Lister, who was like the kind of first guy to sort of like say, like, "Hey, you guys need to be like wearing gloves and washing your hands." And he was trying to tell people that, and they were just like, "Get out of here, you kooky crackpot!" How am I going to eat my sandwich and poke around inside the bread? <laughs> yeah, they're just dropping bits of burrito in it, and they're just like, "Oh, shit. <laughs> get out of here, Felchy. <laughs> so, were any of these people? Um, how how quickly were they just called anarchists? Was that the era where everybody who did well, no, anything? No, that was the next guy. Like, that was that was the guy who killed McKinley. Now, was he truly an anarchist, or was that yes. just kind of an umbrella term? Well, I mean, he was truly an anarchist. The problem is, is like how organized is the anarchist movement? I mean, the anarchist movement's almost by philosophy not organized. So it's like mm. people who were like prominent anarchists like didn't want to be associated with him. But I mean, he considered himself an anarchist. He had gone to some meetings, but obviously he was a kooky guy. That's the problem. I mean, like, if you have a mass movement like that, it's kind of hard to, like, disavow a guy if he's, like, reading your pamphlets and trying to go to your meetings. He can say he's one of you, but, like, you don't even know the well, guy. Well, I, I found that their cookbook was well-organized. <laughs> don't make the nitroglycerin, Mike. It'll blow up. Everybody knows. It's the wrong kind of pan. Great paella. Listen, they, they knew what they were doing when I made them go get it behind the counter at Hastings <laughs> Books and Records. <laughs> You've obviously studied a lot. I have two questions, two assassination questions. The first yeah, yeah. is... Both in six parts. No? <laughs> Simple questions. The first, is is it possible the Kennedy conspiracy, if there is one, is the creation of a conspiracy myth to remove the idea that any person with enough dedication can kill the president and... Have you considered how you would kill the president if called upon yeah, to do so? Let's not. Uh, <laughs> no, that's. No, I've that's, thought about he it. He hasn't thought about how <laughs> they would do it. That's I not, know how I would do it. Not conspiracy. That's just thinking about something, not planning. There's no real how, intent. How would I do it? Yeah, how would you do it? Simple pole vault and then Chinese star to the neck. What are you pole vaulting over? 
the White House. Uh, <laughs> the entire the White House. <laughs> yeah. Right. He pole votes, pole votes over the entire White House, then jumps the fence back in and goes and runs. Into yeah. the uh, OK, that is that is pretty sophisticated. Well, which president, which pre- you t- ask me which president and I'll tell you and I'll tell you how I got him. Oh. I would get him. Uh, Miller Fillmore. I would go to his time and show him a copy of the comic strip Mallard Fillmore and it would just <laughs> blow his mind. And he would go, they're making fun of me. And he would just kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would use the honey trap, the old honey yeah, the, trap. The honey pot. Yeah. Yeah. Honey, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd woo him in, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I drink a poison that would like be in you my would semen. Be, so what I hear you, would be like an address. Yes. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. okay. And like, you'd be like, and you know, I get it always works on Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know how I would do this current uh, president, but. I do know that the it would take place at a Luby's. He's, old. <laughs> He's an old guy right. loves Luby's. Right. <laughs> Got him, <laughs> Eric. Do you do you post anything online? Do you? Uh... I have started uh, substacking because I've been like writing like long like I'll either do history stuff or politics stuff with my friends, and I decided to just go ahead and start like trying to submit and post this stuff publicly. I usually didn't just because I'm like a centrist type of guy and so i just don't like getting yelled at by people <laughs> but i was like ah if it i'll start putting stuff out there so, okay, so, a, so where can they find that let's see the i think right now it's under eric krug substack it's called print the legend i don't know the exact link but if you google that i may have to change the name because some other people use that your name how do you spell your name oh it's a e-r-i-c-k-r-u-g wow. it's actually pronounced krug yeah you're pronouncing it wrong in, in <laughs> not correctly Incorrect. Right. Well, you listen, you're a presidential <laughs> expert and I'm a last name expert. So, <laughs> okay. Maybe respect Ask. each other's uh, fields. Yeah. All right. That, that sounds reasonable to me. Why can't we you're just right. agree? I'm the asshole here. Can't we compromise? <laughs> Why do you refuse to compromise with Mike? Yeah. You're right. I just said I was like a compromiser and now I'm not comp. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry mm-hmm. for being a dick. You're Mike. never going to be a president at this rate, right. let alone yeah, an assassinated yeah. president. We can actually, you send me the link and we can put it in our. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll do oh, that yeah we can actually do that. And then, you know, and then my comedy album is, is still up. You can get that on like Spotify and iTunes. And, okay. What's that called? Uh, it's called Double Speak. Double Speak. I was there for the recording. So that's probably a big bonus to some of the fans. If you listen, <laughs> you can probably hear my laughter within there can, too. So it's really kind of give, give us an example. I, I, you know what? I'm so intimidated by you doing the laugh of Flegel from the banana splits <laughs> that I can't, I can't, I can't perform. Hyena like, as I recall, it's yeah, cackling and hyena like. So that wraps up another week of the International News Service. Find us across social media at International News Pod. Email us at, interna- at internationalnewspod at gmail.com. This Thanksgiving, when everyone is in the middle of their ninth football game and their tenth helping of mashed potatoes, why don't you steal their phones and subscribe them to INS? Check out the INS merch store at Redbubble and our Patreon. We'll see you next week. Fuck Fauci! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the International News Service. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. INS, the news you need.